right, I'm curious. How many of you would consider yourself birthday people? Like you like celebrating your birthday? Okay, okay. Yes and no. Yes and no, okay. And how many of you are like, please, no attention. I'm not into that. Yep. <laughs> I'm not surprised, actually. <laughs> not surprised. Okay, so it was my birthday this last week. 35, halfway to 70. That's the way I'm thinking about it. That's good, right? Not everybody's into that, but I'm into it. I, I admire some 70-year-olds in my life. Um, and I have to tell you a funny story. Um, I like a good party. I got together with some friends on, on Friday. Um, but JD and I got out to, to dinner, which was nice, sans kids. And um, he just was pensively looking at me. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet. He's just like staring across at me. He squinted a little bit, and um, he said, were you wearing a hat today? Because you have, like, a couple lines, like, right across your head, like, dead serious. And I was like, nope, those are wrinkles. Like, those are straight-up wrinkles. <laughs> Wrong thing to say, right? Um, no, but I, I think as an adult, so I just, I, that's just, there's no point to that story other than I think it's funny, and you all know, J.D. Um, but I think, you know, birthdays can be a, a thing that you just do, but I think in my life and as I've gotten older, it's been a, a time to pause in my life, a time to sort of look back and to look forward and to say, you know, God, what have you been up to in my life in this last year? And really just try to make some meaning of this last year in my life. And I think, you know, there are these pauses in our lives like anniversaries or holidays or maybe a vacation you take every year or just sort of something you do annually or even weekly. And... I think as meaning-making people, as humans, that's really what we create culture and we, we create meaning. And, and yet the last two years, I feel like have been such a whirlwind. And, you know, with people now, I mean, you work from home and so you depict your own rhythm or maybe your work demanded so much of you. And, and over the past two years, you feel like just things are pulling you through life. Um, how much more do we need these spaces in our lives where we pause and um, make meaning and where we understand kind of what God is doing and how to respond to God. And so one of the things we, we do on a rhythmic basis as we choose to gather here for what we call dinner church or community dinner, um, we model after a story in scripture with Jesus. And Jesus was a leader that we uh, admire, that we believe is a savior of our lives, and the the best leader to learn from. And um, what he did as he approached the the cross and the Passion Week, you know, that's usually celebrated around Easter. But one of the things he made a point to do was to celebrate the Passover meal with his disciples. And um, the Passover was a Jewish tradition that maybe a lot of you know um, or have heard of, but I actually get to experience a, a four-hour Passover meal with uh, a, a friend, and um, it was just so cool to notice the, the ways of, of what God had, had done and how each part of the meal symbolized something like something salty symbolized the tears that the Israelites cried um, when they were in captivity in Egypt or... Um, the, the lamb shanks symbolized the way that they, they sacrificed a lamb instead of children being sacrificed. And the Passover was this symbol of how God had shown up for his people and how God 
brings his people out of oppression and meets them in the midst of their suffering. And so as we come to this scripture, this is what we as Christians have sort of come to know this tradition is the Last Supper or the Lord's Supper or communion. And something we choose to do is actually try to emulate what Jesus did, which was to eat with people and to celebrate church over a table. Um, And so we're going to read this scripture and um, kind of, I I just want to let you, let this scripture read you, you could say, uh, and and just notice what, what stood out to you because maybe you've experienced communion. Maybe you've experienced, you know, you experience obviously right now dinner across the table with, with us as, as dinner church, but what's standing out to you as Jesus talks and, and eats with his friends before what eventually will come is the cross or the resurrection. So it's, we're looking at uh, Luke 22, and um, I'll kind of go from verse 7, and I might skip a couple verses, but 7 through 30. <clears throat> so then the day came of unleavened bread, on which the Passover lamb ha- had to be sacrificed. And Jesus sent Peter and John, saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. They asked him, Where do you want us pr- to prepare for it? And as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where's the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? So he will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. So they left and found things just as Jesus had told them, and they prepared the Passover. And when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, And he said, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. And I tell you, I will not eat again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. And after taking the cup, after taking the cup, he said, take this and divide it among you. He gave thanks. He said, for I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. Then he took the bread. He said, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup. Now, there was multiple cups in the Passover meal. So that I, I hadn't learned that or realized that until I experienced that. So that's why there's two cups here. Otherwise, you're like, isn't this guy being a little rep- repetitive? Um, but this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. And the hand of him who is going to betray me is with me at this table. And the Son of Man will go as it has been decreed. But woe to the man who, has, who betrays him. They began to question among themselves who it might be, who might betray him. And then a dispute arose among them of who is considered to be the greatest. Jesus said to them, The kings of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest. The one who rules should be the one who serves. For who is greater, the one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one at the table? But I am among you, the one who serves. Then he says, I confer on you a kingdom just like my father conferred a kingdom on me. Now, I intentionally included not just the the piece about taking the cup and and the communion scripture, but also the piece around the disciples disputing about who was the greatest. Because not only are they trying to remember just the way that God met them in their suffering during the Passover time, and they would do this as a rhythm— 
this was a, a, a rhythm, a ritual that happened yearly, and everything would stop to celebrate. And I think the question that I want to pose for us is, do we have spaces like this? Do we even see this space as a space to pause and to notice what God is doing around the table, to notice what God is doing in our lives, to notice even, maybe you're not even much of a, a Jesus follower, but to notice I don't know, like what, what type of meaning is in my life? Do I have pause in my life to wonder about that? And the Jesus table, he takes the Passover and sort of infuses new meaning as, as his disciples hear his words and then get to put it into context when he goes to the cross and then is resurrected. And the, the Passover table becomes the Jesus table. And what I think I'm, I'm so struck by is that before Jesus went to the cross, he wanted to celebrate with his disciples. He said, I'm so eagerly, I eagerly desire to eat this Passover with you. And it just reminds me of Jesus' humanity that even he wanted to eat this Passover with them. He needed the encouragement because this is a story about how God brings people out of suffering. And so Jesus even needed that reminder, that sort of encouragement before he went to the cross that, that God would follow through he be he, he he's true to his promises because he jesus was just about to take on all the slavery and oppression that the world was in too and so what about us like how do we come to this table and what i think is so unique is that jesus not only at this table but in table you know there was the disciples but he even welcomed his enemy who was going to betray him he doesn't shun judas in other Gospels, he says, go in and do what you need to do. But he doesn't exclude him on purpose. Even his enemy is welcome. And so it just shows, like, in so many other times in the Scriptures, Jesus intentionally invites the outcasts, the people who are not favored in society, the lowest of the low. And it just reminds me that everyone is welcome at Jesus' table. And so how do we have make a rhythm? Like, when we come to... To church on a Sunday, when we come to this table, how do we notice? And I think what I hear multiple times is Jesus says, remember me. And there's, there's three sort of, if, if you're an alliteration person, you're going to love this because there's three R's. Get ready for them. Remember me, like you said. And we studied, we sort of looked at the scripture with our, with our women's group and multiple people said, you know, Jesus talks about his kingdom a lot in this scripture. And so that means that he's the king. So how do we remember Jesus as king, as the leader of your life? As, is he the leader of your life? How do you remember Jesus? How do you take time in your life to remember him in the busy chaos of our lives? Is this a rhythm in, in your life that you can come to, to meet Jesus here amidst other people at the table? How do we reorder our lives? I think I love that Jesus I mean, the, the, the disciples just straight up in front of Jesus is like, who's most important? Who, who, gets, who gets, you know, priority in your kingdom? Who is the greatest among us? And Jesus reorders their lives and said, that's not what's most important. That's not what you're supposed to be like. Look, I'm serving you. And in other gospels, right around the, the Lord's table and at the Passover meal, he washes their feet. And he says, it's not the greatest among you or the person who's getting the promotions or, you know, the most politically uh, prestiged. No, it's the youngest or the forgotten or the lowest in society that even has a, a, 
place here at this table and, and be like that because they're welcomed in my kingdom. So he, he flips the order. And so I think as we come to the Jesus table, when we see that everyone is welcome, that no one's better than the other, we're invited to ask, how might I reorder my life around what Jesus cares about? Because he cares about everyone being welcome. How can I reorder my lives around his kingdom? And even just serving and servitude and suffering even, right? Because we see that Jesus continues in the next few days in a journey of suffering. I heard this quote uh, this last week that said, the historic paths between spiritual transformation, like, like the counted ones that if you look at like the saints before us or the, the great you know, spiritual people that you might admire, the paths toward spiritual transformation are great love and great suffering. And great love always leads to suffering. Oof, that's a rough one. <laughs> and I think that's maybe the reordering. That's from Father Richard Rohr. Um, that might be the reordering that Jesus is talking about. It's not always who's getting the promotions or who's making the most money. It's, it's about the great love that we have. And finally, I think as we come to the Jesus table, as we come to dinner, we receive. We receive a meal. We receive from others and learn from others across the table from us. We receive the love and forgiveness that Jesus wants to offer through his life, his sacrifice. And so... Maybe, maybe it's just a helpful reminder that we, we see this space as a communion space, as a Lord's table where we're practicing. And maybe it's not always the most uninterrupted moment. I mean, like, I don't know how many times, you know, we, we get interrupted from our kids or, you know, this is the chaos. But this practice of pausing and stopping and making a weekly rhythm of receiving from the Lord, from receiving from Jesus, because he says, this is my body given up for you. This is my blood and the, the cup of the new covenant. And when you hear that, say, that's a picture of family, that you belong. So we can receive his love and belonging um, by coming to this table, by pausing. And so it's not always comfortable. You know, you don't always know what to say to maybe a stranger across the table. But I noticed that this is a rhythm, not just in the Passover meal, but he took the bread, he blessed it, and he broke it, and he shared it with any and everyone. And how might Jesus show up? How can we remember him and take the intentional pause by having a communion practice or a dinner church practice or a community table in, in the Jesus table? So um, I just, as I was praying over our church, I just thought there's, there's so many distractions and what are the rhythms and the spaces that that might look like this on an individual level in your life where you can pause and you can remember, reorder your life around what God cares about and receive from him? Is it, is it this space? We hope it's this space. We want people to be able to come and do those things here. And what are other spaces? Because we need it. I mean, there's, we live in such a distracted world. I know how much I, I crave that in my own life. So, I just, as you guys talk, like, what stood out to you? What stood out to you from the scripture? And maybe one of those things that maybe Jesus might be inviting you, or you can talk about whatever. You don't have to talk about what I talked about. So, um, yeah, we'll, we'll give you a few minutes to discuss anything that stood out to you and, and uh, maybe what your experience was like here joining us at, at these tables. And, uh, yeah, a little bit of who we are and what we're about here at Dinner Church. And we'll bring you back at the end. <laughs>